0: Jesus is real There's power in your name. We trust in your ways we need Jesus is real
1: For some of us you can't get around alcohol and it's bad you can't get on the computer or else sin happens the reason jesus died is because that not only are we tempted but we fail all of us do from the oldest one in christ to the youngest in christ from the person teaching the bible to the person cracking it open for the first time we're all we all fail in a multitude of ways and that is exactly why jesus died
0: there are varying temptations to sin that plague people but pastor daniel shares today that the root of them all can be boiled down to similar heart issues pride, and lust, desiring something that will replace God. Every person is tempted in these ways. That's why Jesus needed to come to earth. He needed to show you that you can't be good enough, because only God has lived a sinless life. Therefore, only God can save you from your sins. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Luke chapter 2, as he continues his message, Jesus is human.
1: The pride of life, back in Genesis 3, 6. What was the temptation? Not only that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh, it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, desirable to make one wise. Oh, the pride of life. I want to be wise. And now I know I'm from an Italian from New Jersey, New York, and a wise guy means something different there than it does other places. But we all want wisdom. I mean, we pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to be educated and all, and lots more money on books and all these things because and wisdom's not bad the pride of life for for Eve is you're going to be like god you're going to be wise like god for Jesus what does he do he takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple and he says jesus throw yourself down it's all good Why? Because if Jesus throws himself off the pinnacle of the temple And Satan, see, he's crafty He knows God's word He just doesn't believe it or submit himself to it He starts quoting verses as well He quotes Psalm 91.11 and Psalm 91.12 See, Satan, when he realizes he's not getting anywhere with you Because you're using the word He'll start taking the word and twisting it on you He takes the truth of God's word And he applies it in a way that's false That's what he does And he says, listen I'll bring you up here. Throw yourself down. The angels will catch you, and everyone will say, Wow, the Messiah's here. Get some adulation, some notoriety with the public. It's the pride of life. It's the pride of life. But yet, notice Jesus again. He says, Nope. He quotes from Deuteronomy 6:16. 6, Don't test. The Lord your God. And what happens? Satan leaves. Satan leaves. See. Brothers and sisters, this teaches us that Jesus is tempted like each one of us. In his humanity, Jesus was just as tempted as you or I. And it makes me think of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. This is what it says. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Everybody listen. No matter what the temptation that you have is, and we all have them, that's a universal constant for the human condition. And yeah, we live in a culture where one temptation seems worse than another. And it's really easy to say, oh, I'm not like that. And I look down on them. But you're like you. And you got your own stuff. See, the beauty of God's love is that God knows that all of us have issues. We're all tempted. We're all tempted. And that is exactly why Jesus of Nazareth came and died. Because all of us fail in a multitude of ways. For some of us, you can't get around a batch of cupcakes without eating all of them. For some of us, every time somebody gets a blessing, you're mad about it because you think you should get a blessing. For some of us, you can't get around alcohol, and it's bad. You can't get on the computer, or else sin happens. The reason Jesus died is because that not only are we tempted, but we fail. All of us do. From the oldest one in Christ to the youngest in Christ. From the person teaching the Bible to the person cracking it open for the first time. We're all, we all fail in a multitude of ways and that is exactly why Jesus died. That's why he died. He died because every time we fail, it ruins our relationship with God. It destroys our intimacy with God. It destroys our relationship with ourselves and it destroys our relationships with everybody around us. And we've all done it. But Jesus didn't do it. And that's why he could die in our place. So I want you to look at at your spouse, at the person next to you, and and, and just look at them and say, sinner. You can do it. Don't be scared. Say, sinner. Go ahead. Say it real good. Say, sinner. Now that's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the other person on the other side and say, sinner. And now I want you to say out to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner too. We're all the same, except for Jesus. And that is why we believe in him. That's why we believe in him. Because he, amen. He was tempted, but he wasn't a sinner. He didn't give in to the temptation. And you know what's beautiful? In 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, it tells us that there is no temptation that happens to a person that's not common for all of us. But in all ways, God is faithful and he gives us an escape route. So no matter what your temptation is, no matter, you don't, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you don't have to live out that temptation. Because by God's grace, by God's spirit, and a little good old-fashioned decision-making that God has entrusted to you, you don't have to do that. We choose to do it. Each one of us, whatever our besetting struggle is, we choose it. You don't have to do it. You choose to do it. You know, I love Pastor Bill so much, and I'm so impressed with him. I mean, as Pastor Bill lost all of his weight, and he's kept it off now for a number of years? It's amazing. Sometime in our break room, people bring in all sorts of goodies. You know, and I just start salivating. I just salivate even before I walk by the break room. Because I just know as a break room, you never know what's going to be in there. I mean, this Monday, someone bless us, they brought in a whole couple trays of ribs and I mean, it was awesome Awesome But I mean, honestly, Pastor Bill Someone will make a brand new cake I'm so impressed Because Pastor Bill's like Look, I'm never going back there And he'll come in And he'll take a little sliver of it And I'll always make some joke Because I'm like, man, look at this guy And maybe Pastor Bill If he's being sassy Will have two little slivers of it But he doesn't eat half the cake I, and it's great because he's like, now that I lost my I can enjoy things. I just don't have to enjoy as much of it because I don't want to go back. And I'm like, ah, what a righteous way to live. God's done a work there. And I'm like, Lord, I want to be a little more like Pastor Bill in that regard. See, you don't have to eat half the cake. You choose to. You don't have to look at garbage on the internet. You choose to. You don't have to be judgmental. You choose to. And God wants to empower you and me and all of his people to make new choices. God honoring righteous choices, empowered by his Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus gets it. He experienced it. And we can come to him as a great high priest and be like, Jesus, help. And he'll be like, okay, I can help you. I can help you. Now, I want you to turn to your left. Go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, verse 13. So if you're new to the Bible, you're in Luke. Go back to the left to Mark, then to Matthew. And the beauty again is that chapter 16. We're going to pick up at verse 13. This is Jesus' confession. I want you to realize that Jesus called himself the Son of Man. Jesus called himself the Son of Man, which means the Son of Mankind, one of mankind, a descendant of Adam. Okay, look at what it says, verse 13 when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, and some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus, the Christ. Now, in all but two places in the Gospels, some over 80 times, Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. Look at verse 13. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Do you see that? Over 80 times in the Gospels, Jesus makes that point. Do you remember how the Gospels open up, Matthew chapter 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the son of Abraham, the son of David. See, by Jesus calling himself the son of man, he's identifying with his humanity. But notice what goes on here. Who do people say that I, the son of man, am? He's talking about his humanity. And they say, well, some say you're John the Baptist, and some say you're one of the prophets. And, well, who do you say that I am? Look what Simon says in verse 16. You are the Christ Christ the son of the living God. I thought he was the son of man. You are the Christ, the son of the living. You're the Messiah. You're the promised one. And look at how Jesus responds. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, which means Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Do you get that? I mean, that's kind of nuts when you think about it. He's like, I'm the son of man. Well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he's like, yep, you're right. And not only are you right, but no one told you that. My father in heaven told you that. Do you see that? I mean, that's a powerful reality. Talk about a paradox. Talk about holding two things in. I'm the son of man. You're the son of the living God. You're right. And my heavenly father told you so. You see that? And what's interesting is he goes on and he starts talking about, and you are Peter and on this rock I'll build my church. Now, I would love to give you a whole exposition of who the rock is and how that works, and there's lots of different positions on that. But notice that Jesus called himself the son of man. Jesus was not afraid of his humanity. He called himself the son of man over and over again. And then Peter said, yeah, you're the son of God. You're the Messiah. He's like, yeah, you're right. I totally am. It makes me think of, of course, Romans chapter one, verses one to four. It says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Now listen to this. Which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, God's son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. You have to remember The early church had no problem with Jesus being fully God, fully man. They held it in tension. You have these things, two verses apart, a verse apart. Son of God, son of man. Of the seed of David, according to the flesh, according to his lineage, according to his birthright, but declared to be the son of God. And Apostle Paul, in that culture, the only monotheistic culture around, this was long before Islam, Everybody was polytheistic The Romans were The Greeks were The Babylonians were The Medo-Persians were The Assyrians were The Eastern cultures Like the Indians They were all polytheistic Except for the Jewish people There's one God And so for the Apostle Paul To say that Was a much bigger step for us But they said it They held him in tension Jesus called himself The Son of Man Now the final place I want you to turn with me today is John chapter 13. John chapter 13. The last gospel. Jesus walked the talk. Jesus walked the talk. He did. Now look at this, John 13. As we see Jesus walking the talk in verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who are in the world. He loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil all, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God "'rose from supper, laid aside his garments, "'and took a towel and girded himself. "'After that, he poured water into a basin "'and began to wash the disciples' feet "'and to wipe them with the towel which with which he was girded. "'And he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, "'Lord, are you washing my feet?' "'And Jesus answered and said to him, "'What I am doing you do not understand now, "'but you will know after this. "'And Peter said, "'You shall never wash my feet.'" "'And all of us say, "'Amen.'" Jesus answered and said, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? Look at verse 13, and we're going to focus here. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus walked the talk. It was the most important night of Jesus' life. He was about to die. And after supper was over, he went and he washed his disciples' feet. He took the place of the lowest servant, the lowest servant, And he got the most dirty, and he washed his disciples' feet. He's like, look, what I'm doing now, you don't get, but you'll know later. He said, I'm your teacher, and I'm your Lord, and I washed your feet. Go and do likewise. Do we realize that as a church, that as Christians, we're the one organization in the world that was created for the betterment of its non-members? The church of Jesus Christ is the only hope for this world. Different agencies can do a lot of good things, but only the church of Jesus Christ can tend to the root cause of human struggle, the spirit, the soul, the mind, the body. I know what the beauty is, brothers and sisters. We're not only the church when we get together on Sundays and Wednesdays. We're the church 24 hours a day, seven days a week, anywhere that you are and I am. We need to be the church and go to church. And the world, the world needs us to be the church and go to to church, to be a vibrant part of a community. Why? Because as Jesus washed his disciples' feet, we are all called to give our lives away in self-sacrificial service. And you know what's so hard about that is? Nobody likes to be a servant. Isn't it true? How many of us feel like Martha on a regular basis? Busy, 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 doing a million things. Why isn't anyone else being like me? You know what the problem with what Martha was doing? She was serving right. But she wasn't sitting at the feet of Jesus, so she didn't realize that she's not doing it so that other people help her. She's doing it because that's who God wants her to be and she should be happy. We live in a world that tells us, let people serve you and you will be happy. And is the proof in the pudding? No. We live in the most blessed culture that is also simultaneously one of the least happy cultures in the world. People are miserable Because in a serve me culture, we miss out on what Jesus said is that you're more blessed to give than receive. Brothers and sisters, I believe that God wants to use all of us in more profound ways. But that profound way of being used by the Lord comes from being a servant to everybody. As the body and blood of Jesus, we give, we give our lives away just as Jesus gave his life away so that others may have life. And as others have life, we in turn have life. Jesus walked the talk. It makes me think of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave life, himself a ransom for all and as the people of god and no judgment here because we're all going to simply respond to jesus this week my prayer is that for me pray for me i'm praying for you pray for each other that as we respond to jesus we respond as simple servants We simply say, Lord, I want to be a servant because you said the greatest in my kingdom is a servant and you modeled servanthood for me and Lord, by your Holy Spirit, get me off of my high horse and let me be humble. Let me simply serve the betterment of humanity and for your glory, God, it has nothing to do, it has nothing to do with what I think I deserve, it has everything to do with your worthiness, God. There's one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom. And we need to do the same, brothers and sisters. Jesus is human. We respond. Jesus is human, and we respond. How will we respond today? For some of you, you're going to give your lives to start following Jesus today. Great response. Know what's beautiful? For some of us, you're going to start responding to Jesus by following him for the first time today. For all of us, guess what? We're going to respond to Jesus by simply following him today. And God's upward mobility plan is downward mobility. That's God's way up. God's way to grow is to decrease, that he may increase. For each one of us, no matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, For each one of us, humility comes by letting God be everything. And in the light of his everythingness, we realize we have so far to go. And that is the most honest assessment of who we are. So brother, sister, friend, whether listening in here or online or at one of our venues, listen, how will you respond to Jesus today?
0: How will you do it?
1: Let's all take those next steps with him.
0: Today you learned that not only is Jesus God, he's also fully human. He came to earth to live in a body made of flesh and bone just like you. He was tempted by Satan just as you were. He experienced life on this earth just as you have, yet he did it without sinning. Pastor Daniel asked you today how you're going to respond to Jesus in light of this information. Let it change how you relate to your Savior. He knows what you're going through. If you've enjoyed Pastor Daniel's teaching today on Jesus is Real Radio, we'd like to invite you to join us at Crossroads Community Church for our Sunday services at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you can't come in person, you can still be part of our vital congregation by tuning in to our live stream. Find out more at CrossroadsChurch.net. That's
1: CrossroadsChurch.net. Hi friends, Pastor Daniel here. I'd love for you to be part of the Crossroads Community Church family, but I understand some of our listeners can't make it to the actual church building. If that's you, come join us online. We live stream our Sunday morning services at crossroadschurch.net. So grab a cup of coffee and join us wherever you are for our time of worship and teaching.
0: Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel discusses families you have a unique family that you call your own, but as a follower of Jesus, you're invited to be part of a new family. Every member of this ever-growing family is diverse and important and still flawed, but they all have something in common, Jesus. Tune in next time to learn more about your family of faith. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.